Welcome to another episode of Anime Gary Knows Everything, a podcast where I am not only Anime Gary, but I also coincidentally know everything. It's crazy that I got this gig. The odds were not in my favor. <laughs> this week, um, I am joined by wonderful man, Justin Benton. I did not know him prior to recording this. I'd been following his cool collages and work on Insta, and then I just, I really slithered into the DMs and was like, podcast maybe? And he said, okay. And so this week we're talking about um, the album Feed the Animals by the band slash singular sensation Girl Talk. And honestly, we barely talk about the album. We barely talk about it. It comes in and out. It's It mainly turns into like, Anna Gary interview hour, which wasn't my plan, but I let it happen because I'm vain, I guess, and also like positivity hour. But we talk a lot about art and our relationship to music, and I think it's pretty fun. Oh, also, like, check out this album. It's, it's a trip, everybody. It's a journey. Girl talk. Feed the animals. Here's a taste. It rolls off the tongue nicely, Anna McGarry. It has like a nice flow to it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? How are you? I'm good. Uh had a nice easy day. Uh, I forgot when I asked you like what time to record um, that people actually had jobs. I've been unemployed for months. Um. <laughs> That's okay. The easy day sounds good. You should own it, accept it, embrace it, enjoy it. Yeah, it was it. nice. I, I went on a run. It was hot, but yeah. How, how far did you run? Um, I didn't like two miles i did just like little intervals on and off because it was so hot <laughs> you did it in like eight minutes right oh absolutely yeah okay. yeah so i'm piecing yeah. together i'm piecing together details about you uh based on you know pictures and uh, other things but you are a dancer yes i am a dancer i just finished college wow that is yeah. so wild i've never met a dancer before oh really not like a perfect like a not professional, but someone who has designed their life around that one thing. Yeah. You sound That's... very like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's just been like the driving force in my life for so long, you know, and I surround myself with like mainly dancers. So I forget that that's not everyone's like circle. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are you human or are you dancer? That is, I wake up in the middle of the night. And I beg myself this question. I think that's why I keep dancing. I think that's why I got the BFA. And I don't, I don't know if I'm any closer to having the answer, unfortunately. So that killer song sent you on your trajectory? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, I knew there was a question to be answered. And then when I heard that killer song, I was like, this is... This is yeah. it. This is what I've been looking for. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a grammatical mistake placed into a pop song that no one seems to care about. Yeah, just Whatever. 
a baffling sentence. <laughs> yeah, it is. It doesn't really. And speaking of how your name rolls off the tongue, that chorus does not roll off of the tongue. No, I assumed for years that I had misheard it because I thought surely they can't be saying that because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But no, they they really went in. <laughs> well, you know, there's nothing more human than making a mistake like that in a song. Making a mistake, doubling down, it getting so popular, it's bigger than you, and then you can't go back. It's like the story, like Bono, you know the story Bono, right, from U2? So, I know of Bono from U2. I don't know yeah, if I know I'm not, the story. Like, you know one story? No, but he released that song. Um, what's the, the, there's a song that references Martin Luther King getting shot. And he, he gets the time of the day wrong. Mm. And you're like, well, you could have looked it up in the Britannica, whatever yeah. it did in 1984, and you didn't, but <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so anyhow. Yeah. How are you? How's your day been? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am good. It's, it's a, I work a job a nine to five with mm -hmm. young children. So Hi. it's it's a little bit taxing, but. It's, sure. Yeah. Cool. I did, not, I did not run today, but I ran, I ran, I forget what day, two days ago. Mm -hmm. And it was just not fun. Yeah. Like I can't breathe and my legs are heavy and it's so, so hot. <laughs> yeah. And it's like all, it depends on where you run. Lexington or Kentucky, whatever, is an interesting place to run because there's lots of hills. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the sidewalk disappears yeah <laughs> and there's a lot of concrete and sometimes there's trees and sometimes there's no trees and it, it can be a lot of things at once yeah i have a couple of parks near me that i usually go to so that's nice to have like some kind of lap but yeah i kind of wind through neighborhoods like i'll mm -hmm. map an insanely complicated course just to stay closer to home but you're going up and down streets and you know people mm -hmm. are probably you doing but yeah. gotta get it <laughs> so I, I was also trying to piece together bits of you via <laughs> your instagram i feel like i made it much easier with <laughs> with you're, mine you're, yeah i mean you use yours for the reason it's there for as a social media platform and you uh -huh. have your life documented i i've never really enjoyed doing that I feel weird mm -hmm. I you know do you feel like you're an introvert yes okay I think that's like a really cool thing to say nowadays and I'm not doubting you I know you probably are but some people say <laughs> you're like wait a minute let me see your card like you're not really an introvert uh -huh. but uh I do have some difficulty putting personal stuff up there I don't know yeah. I guess that all that just be, was very normalized for me from like a young age. I think I was in like middle school when Facebook was like becoming like big. So yeah, so you I don't know. That's just do been a part of like growing up. You had to do Facebook then. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been like suicide if you didn't. Just like the odd one out. I was like, I gotta be this. Like this is where all the all the cool middle schoolers are, which is oxymoronic, but yeah, yeah. That, and also that, with, with being a performing artist, um, there is a pressure to like have a social media presence and be visible in that way um, for like to get a job 
you know? Yeah. yeah. And you have an interesting course and I would definitely, as a stranger, I'd, I find your feed interesting. Uh-huh. It's like a, a lay person like myself who doesn't have that kind of skill. I, I, what do you got? I'm going to take pictures of like the Kroger parking lot and, <laughs> you know, like my, myself, I, I'm not good at selfies. So none of that really works for me. But if I did more of it, I probably would have more followers. Is that fair to say? I think depending on the quality. Yeah. I feel like it <laughs> takes like a few years to figure out how Instagram works. And some people like just start that later. So then you got to have a rough patch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to figure that out ever. Because <laughs> okay. I think it's a wonderful thing. And I, I, I see a lot of great things. And, and that's fine with me. I'm cool mm-hmm. with that. So yeah. Well, I, I sent you my, my big list of notes. So I guess we'll just like get into that. Yeah, get into so, the notes. This is like college. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> study study group. <laughs> so what made you like agree to do this? Well, you you obviously seem like a intelligent, um, creative person. And I, I like I just think it was kind of nice. I've never never done a podcast and mm-hmm. and I thought it'd be cool to be part of it. I thought, you know, who knows? where this girl will go and what she will do and it'll be it'll be cool to <laughs> cross paths with her um and you know i guess you're local i don't you don't have to divulge anything but it's kind of cool to connect with someone on a local level yeah. I, I do the, i do this thing on instagram and like i make this stuff and sometimes it gets shown in in the city but i don't really know anyone you know mm-hmm. so that kind of connection is re- just wonderful and the fact that you even reached out and said hey let's meet i mean that was just really nice Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm like born and raised in Lexington and like back here for a bit mid pandemic. Um, yeah, and I think it was years ago. Uh, North Lime Donuts was like, oh, this guy's work is in our store. And I was like, that's really cool. And then so I started following you then. Um, and my roommate and best friend, uh, like mainly an actor, but also does like some visual stuff like some collages and I was like you should follow this guy so we both follow you <laughs> oh that's cool yeah is this friend of yours um like studying acting yeah mm-hmm. how's that going good I you, mean you, is it him he or she or are they is there a pronoun uh she okay so is she doing okay yeah she uh, we both like voyaged back home for a bit trying to figure out when we're going back to New York and oh eventually moving. <laughs> I think some people may never go back. Yeah. I have a, a neighbor across the street who's, it's a little old man who lives there and, and he's always lived on our street and his son lives in Brooklyn. And so they came to his house to get out of New York and he's been there for two months. Mm-hmm. And his partner went back to New Jersey and is a doctor, but wow. Like he's still there you know mm-hmm. it's crazy um, yeah i would have stayed longer in my apartment had it not had mice that were driving me crazy <laughs> yeah but so you grew up in lexington mm-hmm. i did not and that's maybe that's probably why i don't know anyone because i'm sort of new here maybe uh-huh. ten, 10 years but uh so yeah i don't know anyone but so what's to you when you think about i mean do you, do you consider yourself like a kentuckian 
I think so. I don't think I identified with that or with this place or really uh, found much to love in it until I left and come and came back. Uh, I think okay. that kind of solidified it for me because by the time I was finishing high school, I was like, I need to leave. I have to go. And Good for you. That, yeah. So I like went to college in New York and have been there for a few years now. That's like going to Mars. Yeah. Very far away. <laughs> and, and I mean, just a yeah. better place for dance and the performing arts. Cause there, there is a lot of art in Lexington, but just the opportunities are not the same. No, I mean, Lexington is a wonderful, I, I've just, and I think I moved here in 2009 and it's really grown in mm-hmm. those 10 years. Like a lot of cool stuff here and a lot of great people for a small city it's like wow yeah it's really vibrant but new york i mean jeez <laughs> that's insane do you feel like the pressure a little um it's been a nice to, <laughs> it's been nice whenever i come home for it to things are quieter and greener which is very comforting <laughs> yeah um so i'm i'm from the midwest Mm-hmm. from Chicago suburbs and I think when I moved to Lexington I sort of was like what am I doing here like a lot of it was similar there's suburban there's urban mm-hmm. but like you like you wanted to get out of high school when you were a senior and I feel like a lot of people here just love it here yeah and I, I'm not like gonna shit on that but <laughs> yeah, I think it's healthy for a 17 18 year old to be like oh I gotta go yeah And yeah, I just like needed that space. Um, And now that I've had it, I like don't hate here as much. Um, Now that I've like, I'm not 17 and I have more freedom and have like an outside life from here. Yeah, that's real mature too, because I think it even took me longer to get there because I hated suburbia so much. Because, I mean, like, Chicagoland, it's huge, right? Mm-hmm. And the suburbs are very distant from the city and culturally and all kinds of stuff. There's no culture or arts or anything out in the suburbs. It's just residential. You live there, you sleep there, you, you put your kids in school, and you commute mm-hmm. to the city or do whatever. And so now, it, like, I go back now, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of pleasant and peaceful, and the sidewalks, and everything is just like, ah. But mm-hmm. when you're an angry teenager, you're like, No yeah like i'm mad and i want to leave and so that's the fault of everything around me everything around me sucks um (laughs) yeah yeah so do you meet new yorkers who are just like where's oh you have shoes on okay that's great a little bit usually people are just like wow i've never met anyone from kentucky and i'm like that makes sense like that adds up (laughs) yeah what's it like and i'm like i don't i think they assume I live like in a barn and in some hay and ride a horse every day. I'm like, I don't know. It's like a city. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and there's lots of little cities all over the United States that, you know, it's like at this point in our country, everything is suburbanized. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not so remote. Although people from Eastern Kentucky always talk about how like from Eastern Kentucky, <laughs> like, a, it's like a badge of like rugged honor. Yeah. Which, sure i guess but yeah how did you find this album or this artist oh yeah we're talking about girl talks feed the animals 2008 Mm -hmm. which is like 100 years ago now 
Yeah. A time ago, 12 years is no, you know, it's no joke, <laughs> whatever. But so I, that, so that year, 2008, 2009, I finished my MFA in fiction at Southern oh. Illinois, University, Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, which had a pretty like solid fiction program uh-huh. um, for like a cheap kind of university. So finished that there, realized, boy, writing a novel is really hard. Yeah. Can't do that in two years. So got the MFA and then my wife got a job in Lexington and we just moved. We're like, let's just go. Nothing mm-hmm. to lose. It was either Lexington or Paducah. Thankfully, we picked Lexington. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think like while I was working on writing and I got interested in literary collage a lot. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Girl Talk. I was listening to Danger Mouse, the Grey album, you oh. know, like really interested in this, not like a shortcut or a cheat, which I think detractors of collage will say, oh, you're, you know, using other people's stuff. Yeah. A way, that's the paint, you know, like that's mm-hmm. the move is, is the, the pieces that you find. So I moved to Lexington, worked on a book with a writer and podcaster named Brad Leasty. He mm-hmm. lives in L.A. And he wrote a book called Attention Deficit Disorder, and he does a podcast called Other People with a PPL at the end. And he interviews authors, poets. It's a great podcast. If you're into like people making cool books right now, uh-huh. like he's, he's interviewing all of them. Oh, I definitely am. I'm such a huge reader, and I'm always trying to get more in touch with like the current literary scene. Yeah, and, there, and tell you, there's like no better time to be alive for reading. Yeah so much great literature out there and you just it's just everywhere so we we did a book together he and I and it was like a literary collage we, we used to write for this website called nervous breakdown and we took mm-hmm. the comments in the website and we turned that into the collage like that's the text is all the comments so we just interweaved comments and built chapters based on themes like death life school whatever mm-hmm. and we, publish it on his imprint and that that's where I was like okay collage that's like I'm gonna do this just any way I can yeah so not to generalize but it is kind of part of like my wardrobe mm-hmm. you know stuff I read it's just it's just always there that idea nice yeah I didn't like as I listened through it I was thinking um it is like an auditory collage and I like I'm sure I'm not the first person to make that connection I'm sure you've also considered that um especially with the work you do um yeah I'm very interested in the like compilation of all these different uh pieces from pre-existing uh works of art and like how in like your collages and how in this album there's such a big transformation I think that's really exciting yeah I thought there'd be a lot to unpack especially with you because you're of a a younger generation so my experience with Girl Talks Feed the Animals is probably different than yours I'm sure (laughs) I wonder wonder how this is because I have no doubt that you have a very deep knowledge of music as most kids do because they they just absorb so much and I don't mean you're not a kid, but you're whatever, young <laughs> adult. 
Um, but like, so when I hear like Rod Stewart's Young Turks mm -hmm. uh, mashed up with some hip hop verse, I don't know, which that, that was what I found. Like there was a spectrum of like classic rock, classic pop, like old sort of analog music, pre-internet. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the hip hop verses that he threw on there. But like Young Turks by Rod Stewart is an embarrassing song. Like it's a, it's a corny pop song from the eighties uh -huh. made by like a middle-aged rocker who wasn't cool anymore. And when you heard that song at Walgreens, you're just like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but like, that's the thing. Like he took an embarrassing pop song and gave it legitimate, like, no, it's a really dope song underneath. Yeah. It's good. You just, you just can't, you got to unpack the cultural narrative and maybe not saying that you wouldn't hear that, but like, if you didn't grow up in that era, in that car, listening to that music and embarrassed by it. Mm -hmm it's like he's giving it power again. Like you, maybe you didn't feel that. Did you get any of those moments where you're like, oh, there's Avril Lavigne and I thought she sucked and now it sounds cool? Um, a little bit. Um, for me, I feel like the majority of it was new to me, at least the stuff that I could uh, distinctly hear and figure out what it was. Um, I've had like a reckoning in myself recently about pop music and things that are like really easy to trash on um, yeah but it's just not fun to be mean or try to be cool like that's not fun that's not exciting for me it's okay to like the cheesy whatever um yeah so for me when those more top 40 hits snuck their way in it just felt like a little little treasure for me um a little surprise of familiarity in this wash of everything else. And That's it was, a good attitude to have. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, um, <laughs> I feel like that reckoning really happened with um, Ariana Grande. What album was it? It was Sweetener. Me and my roommates, the summer that came out, we're like, we're going to listen to Sweetener and we're not going to feel bad about it. <laughs> we're so all... you thought about it as an album? Yeah. Okay, because I don't think about, so she might put out an album, but I don't, so that's the thing. I don't think about it as an album. It's so hard to see that in all this streaming, mm -hmm. but you definitely felt like this is a total work and this is, okay. Yeah, that was something I sought out and consumed like in its whole continuously. Okay. Yeah, but I think that was a distinct turning point um, where I was like, no, I'm going to listen to like the popular girl music because it's fun and it that's okay and that doesn't necessarily discredit it not saying she's like the musical genius of our generation whatever but everything I consume doesn't have to be like that level of high art for it to be worth my time or it to be valuable so here's the thing I can't when I think of Ariana Grande you mm -hmm. know what I think about is very talented yeah physically be physically beautiful like a perfect pop star mm -hmm. but like can you explain what it is to me because <laughs> i i get why she's a popular artist but i don't what's the appeal what's the angle i think well definitely the vocal talent that is like that cannot be argued she's a very talented singer um i, I don't think she just has the same kind of appeal that a lot of pop music has it's it's fun and energizing. 
And there are other things I go go to for more of a like deeper interaction with it. But it's it's enjoyable to me to have this like nice surface level um, experience. Does that make sense? So is Carly Rae, <laughs> yeah, is Carly Rae, is Carly Rae Jepsen like um, that? That sounds like what what she would be. Yeah, like, yeah, it's fun, it's light, it's smart, but it's very smart actually. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. it's just so well engineered to be a fun pop song. Like they've gotten the formula down. They're like, these are the chords. This is the length of this. We do the uh, this many lines in a verse. This many verses into the chorus into the bridge, etc. It's like so worked to death that they can engineer something that all like will just bring a smile to my face and I can just yeah. rest. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I mean, when I speak of my embarrassment about certain music, like mm-hmm. I am of a generation that like borders Gen X and millennial. Mm-hmm. And so Gen X is, is like sarcastic, you know, dry, nothing is cool. And that's in my DNA. As much as I hate it, I fight against it. I want to enjoy things and I don't want to shit on things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always there. The skeptic is always there lurking. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Which, which <laughs> is sometimes healthy. But again, like you just got to enjoy and got to enjoy some things, man. I mean, I get really like, and this is maybe being I'm a parent, <laughs> I get kind of like bleary eyed whenever a successful creative person does something when they're even just successful i'm like you know how hard it is to just for you to like get up and dance in front of people Mm -hmm. like that's really hard to do and to do it and pull it off and like you know that's just like wow man i get really heavy about that Uh (laughs) and i didn't when i was younger when i was younger i was like eh fuck it like that's not good enough or whatever that's not real enough but now it's like just to do it is such a because the world just wants to squash you yeah and it will squash people Mm -hmm. you know hopefully not you (laughs) keep going we'll see um girl talk let's go hold on girl we're talking about girl talk we're talking about yeah (laughs) which which you know is actually like i actually saw him live Uh um and it was like, it felt like any other concert. I was just bobbing on my feet self-consciously uh-huh. trying to feel cool. <laughs> and, and yeah, that, that's about it. That's a concert for me. <laughs> Have you been to any really great concerts in New York? The only real concert I've been to besides the Cheetah Girls. Um, <laughs> oh, but... um, I think I saw them at Reverina, brag. Um, <laughs> wow. The only other real concert I've been to was Bob Dylan. And that was in New York, and that Ooh. was really great. When was that? Um, it was a few years ago. It was recent, though. Um, His new album isn't great. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened. I've just listened to bits and pieces so far. A song here or there. Um, I loved it because, as always, you couldn't understand a word he said. Um, yeah. He never said a word to the audience, acknowledged that we were there, which was just <laughs> so funny. Um, he had either sheet music or lyrics laying on top of his big piano. Cause why would he know the songs, you know? Right. Why would he know? Right. Um, <laughs> my favorite moment is when he would, uh, waddle between sitting at the piano bench and going to like a mic in a stand. Um, and as soon as he grabbed it, it fell all the way to the ground and 
He didn't react. He just looked at it there on the ground. Someone else in the band ran up, handed it back to him, and then the show continued. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he probably couldn't. He probably If he tried to go for it, he'd probably fall over and oh, that'd be sure. it. Yeah, and every time he was at the mic, he took this such a wide stance, put one hand on his hip, real Peter Pan style. It was so exciting. Wow. It was so fun. <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah, his new album, I mean, it. the first song is is classic. It's just like it's amazing mm -hmm. right and not even really trying that hard just doing it yeah but yeah that's a guy who's kind of intimidating because he's got so many albums i think if you were trying to get in i don't know where you would get in yeah i i got into his work um after reading his book chronicles i read that without having listened to really any of his stuff um kind of got to know him as a writer and a, like a creative and then it was like, oh, I'm going to seek out his music. And I don't know what my entry point was. I'm sure I just went for the hits first and branched out from there. Yeah. His, I was listening to his early records a, a little while back, like a few weeks back, because mm -hmm. the quarantine was a perfect time to kind of like dive into stuff and, um, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to listen to every the first 10 albums because I've got time um but like yeah his strumming is really fascinating to me it's very rhythmic mm -hmm. like we talk about his lyrics and and that kind of reedy voice but like if you listen to his guitar strumming it is like it's just very relaxing because it's just very very subtly great people don't notice how great his his guitar playing is but i almost get distracted by it i don't hear the words i just hear his his picking and strumming uh -huh. which is strange but yeah man very just cool. the amount his like output is wild that's baffling <laughs> yeah it really is and and and, and you got to take some solace and like you can go in wherever you want you don't have to know it all mm -hmm. and you know realizing that artists change over time and to be a fan of an artist i don't have to like every single thing they've ever done right because like very... some of the 15 minute folk songs you're like okay cool but also mm -hmm. That's not always what I want. That's not what I'm there for. Like, I get the story still going. Okay, five more verses. Let's power through. But I don't have to, I don't, that doesn't have to be my everything, you know? And I can still like Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what's there left to say about Girl Talk? It's collage. It was in my head when I was getting this thing together in my brain. And uh, I think he stopped, right? He just kind of like, he may put out one more album and then he quit. But like, I think what he does at the time was seen as almost like he's like a pirate, like he's taking this copyrighted content because mm -hmm. at, at 2008 stuff was still you still bought CDs occasionally and like music was still a thing like an object and now there's just less hang ups about taking and borrowing and using and you know. Yeah. I was reading some interview with him. Um, and whoever it was was asking him if he's had any legal trouble with basically everything being sampling. Um, basically he said he hasn't thus far, um, that people seemed to like his work and appreciate it for what it was. At least that was enough of the public response that he had some legitimacy to back him. So I think that's nice. And I think it is so transformative that there shouldn't be a legal case around it. Mm -hmm. I mean, people have gotten sued for much less. Um, 
or much stupider reasons. Neil Young in the eighties got sued for not sounding like Neil Young. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> How he, does that he, happen? You know, Neil, so Neil Young, like he was absolutely slain in the seventies. Like mm-hmm. his whole, his whole run is just incredible. He gets to the eighties. He hits some speed bumps, right? Things are not working. It's new wave Devo stuff's happening. He's not really that guy. So he puts out all these weird records. He's stuck in a record deal. And and then I think it was David Geffen mm-hmm. who like sued him for not sounding like Neil Young. Like that's, that was the lawsuit. It's absurd, but <laughs> that's what happened back then. Like you're, yeah. you're costing us money. You're not making Neil Young music. So we're going to sue you. I think mm-hmm. the same thing happened to John Fogarty or except John Fogarty from CCR. He like made a song that sounded too similar to CCR and he got sued for that. And it's like, <laughs> What is going on in the? There's a lot of drugs in the '80s, understandably. Uh-huh. You know, so people's brains weren't clear, but <laughs> a lot more was at stake back then. I, I can imagine. Yeah, and um, I think- but yeah, that's cool thing about girl talk is like, you know, you you care you you like this thing enough, you're passionate about it that you can get away with stealing and using stealing in quotes, but like you know, mm-hmm. that. Anyway, you were saying sorry. Um. What was I saying? And I think what helped them, I say, I always end up saying them when I'm talking about a band, even if it is one person, just if you're going under any assumed name, I tend to do that. (laughs) Um, I saw, I think it was a tweet sometime um, a while back, but they were basically saying people get all up in arms about they, them pronouns, like it's confusing when we all say they for Panic at the Disco, even though we know it's just Brendan Urie. Like we can do it. It's that simple. (laughs) right right um anyway so that it was released kind of as a pay what you want i feel like that would have helped um people not people not want to no um just the pay what you want like a chiller approach to that yeah kept him out of as much trouble as he potentially could have gotten then I think at the same time, Radiohead did the same thing. There was this trend of, I think it was in Rainbows, pay what you mm-hmm. want mm. for that one. I think that's a, I think if you can financially do that, and this isn't your main source of income, that's a great way to do a lot of things. Because I think art and in- information and education should be accessible to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I have, I've had a hard time selling collages because I feel like, just take it. Yeah. Like, just have. Like, I mean, I know I could. We could do this exchange, but you could just have it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I have this friend. So I visited this friend in Detroit right before the pandemic slammed, and it was like really cool because I got to see a concert. I got to go out and see Detroit and go to restaurants and and visit him. And he's like, he's good with money. You have those friends who are like, they know how to invest and they're, they're good at that. They have a business savvy and I don't have any of that. <laughs> and he's like, he's, he's talking to me through this. Like, he's like, why don't you just open up a store and sell these collages? And I'm like, I really don't care if I sell them. Like, it's not important to me. And he's like, well, you could just, you know, price them and sell them. And he's like, I'll just buy them all and then I'll do it myself. <laughs> and he wanted to buy like a whole bundle and just do it. And I'm like, you know, it, this is great, but I don't, I don't care. And why don't I care? I can't explain to you why I don't care. Yeah, because it's more about the art and the creation. And I think what you as an individual are getting out of it than some money-making scheme. Like the exciting part of 
creation for me is the act itself. It's not in the marketing or trying to pitch it to people. So let me ask you about dance. Cause I thought yeah. about this. Um, the weirdest thing about dance to me as an art form and as a product, whatever, is that like, you're, you're making something that you can't even see. Mm-hmm. Is that makes, that makes sense to you, but like yeah. you're in the body and you know, most painters can see their paintings and, and music, you hear the music, but you're doing this thing and you don't see it. So is that important to you to watch video or do you ignore that? Um, yeah, I think everything I've ever choreographed on myself, I have done a lot of recording and looking back on it to see what an outside person would see. Because there are, there are so many times when I am having some kind of sensory experience, I am feeling something, but that isn't necessarily represented. Um, and it's not that everything I put into my movement or think about needs to be read verbatim from an outside viewer. Um, but when there are certain things you want to come across, it, you need to see if it is red. And I'm doing so what, most of my dancing and choreographing in front of a mirror, so I have some idea of what I look like. But do you ever yeah. get sick of the mirror? Do you just oh, like oh. absolutely? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's just day in, day out, hours in front of a mirror. That that takes a toll on you. <laughs> so you look at yourself a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what did dancers, I was thinking about this. I have a few books in my stash, right? <laughs> and I found some ballet books and some really old ones and some instructional books. And here's the stars from back in the forties. Mm -hmm. These people did not have film to some degree. Yeah. So they just did it and that was it? Yeah, it is Wow. the most ephemeral art form because <laughs> even other live performances like music, you have sheet music or you have a recording of it that is like a similar experience or plays, musicals, you have the script, the text, you have something physical at the end of the day. And a lot of dance doesn't translate super well to camera unless it is meant for, meant to be filmed. It doesn't have the same like, impact by any means. Like the Nutcracker, which we all watched. Mm hmm on PBS. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that. I remember watching that fondly, but I, and I think I saw that live, but I just sort of fell asleep after the party. I, I don't like the Nutcracker. I don't think it's a good ballet. <laughs> I think we should stop doing what? it. It's really boring and like kind of racist and we just don't need it. We've moved what on. Is the, what's the musical equivalent of the Nutcracker? Um, musical equivalent, I guess phantom of the opera maybe in it being i mean phantom i mean of the like opera what's, is the, what's the pop show that what's I the pop close <laughs> what's the pop pop musical equivalent is it cheetah girls <laughs> it's, it's cheetah girls that's what it is i love no. the cheetah girls more than i love the nutcracker though okay there you the go cheetah girls knew when to stop the nutcracker doesn't I would I would definitely rather listen to the Cheetah Girls than Nutcracker. Yeah, I was really sure. I was just talking about this to one of my 
dancer friends, act one of Nutcracker is the most boring thing I've ever seen. Act two is where the party is. That's where things get pumping. So, so act two is where they're in the snowy land with the... Mm-hmm. Okay. Act two is all the different um, variations and like, it depends what version you're watching. Um, but the most famous is all the different cultures and they're like here's the russian dance here's the chinese dance that that's the most racist one you're like (laughs) Um, a lot of that is real dark (laughs) yeah Um, and it's kind of been adapted more to candies like oh here's the candy cane dance here's chocolate whatever yeah that's an improvement from just racism but still it overrated yeah you're right they, they should cancel nutcracker it, it's enough already yeah we've we've all seen it i'm just bored i <laughs> i'm right. always when something is that much of a cultural touchstone i think it's fine to move on like we have our memories of it we have recordings of it i don't think we need to cling to it because it's tradition i don't think drastically changing it is bad yeah. It's that- weird to think like in college, I would take lit classes for English lit or, you know, Brit lit. And it's just like, it's, it's unbelievable that that would be something that at that age and time, I thought, oh, this is so important. Like I have to know this stuff. And then, no, it's not really, it's important yeah, cool. to that professor <laughs> and their, ti- their tiny niche of, of academic minds. But like outside of that, it it's, it's so irrelevant. Yeah. And I think focusing on like the classics and all that stuff doesn't make room for new voices, especially mm-hmm. when all the people who are making the classics, um, things were even more uh, like gated than they are now. So mm-hmm. it's the same type of like white privileged person, often male, making yeah. all the, the stuff that we revere and consider the best and the peak. So let me ask you, do you think, and, and I don't, I don't like to ask about what I do, but like when you looked at my work, mm-hmm. did you think this is a, a cis white male? I don't think so. I don't think I thought much about who the individual was behind this. Mm-hmm. Not until I like asked you to be on this podcast and I was like, wait, who is this person? <laughs> That's when I <laughs> yeah, what am I what am I doing here? Why am I my friend and I were like scrolling through the instant looking for clues. We're like, who what's going on? Let's figure some things out. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot. Yeah, and so I, I feel like uh maybe this is the benefit of visual art is that you can hide behind your work and then your your work becomes God, it's such a cliche to say that it expresses things that you can't use in the real world. But you know, I walk around at my job and and the store and and the community it's like i can't say the things i want to say because i i'm just like a straight white guy and i've got certain intersectionality but like the art just makes things stand out and there's a certain androgyny and there's a certain mystery that i just i really really it's like a lifesaver i don't know because mm-hmm. i feel like i feel the same way sometimes i'm surprised at what gets made because it doesn't feel like something that I would identify as me, you know? And I feel like some of my work is sort of feminist. I think there's a lot of images of females and kind of like, I don't know, tender and maybe beautiful 
images that aren't expected of me, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I'm, I'm sort of proud of that. And I feel like it's helped me become maybe not anti-sexist, although I'd like to be, that's the ideal uh -huh. like, to, to embrace that inner feminist. Yeah. I feel like there is more is very space hard to, do to do that. For a white male. Yeah. It's hard yeah. for a white guy to do that of my age because most white guys my age have not taken that journey away yeah. from the patriarchy. Because at that point, there is so much ingrained in you that you've been learning for years and years. So unless you are giving yourself the space to unpack that or explore, you get stuck in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it is really not. I know this, the discussion of white male privilege as though it's some kind of superpower. It's really a crippling thing. Yeah. There's so much you don't get to enjoy and you, and you don't get to wear, you don't get to say it's not a good thing. No, it does not. I just say it doesn't benefit anyone. I don't know if that's the case. Um, Cause there are certainly people it's benefiting. <laughs> yeah, we but, know who that guy is. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but when you look at like these systems we're upholding, even like the person in power, it is also hurting them in a way as much as they are benefiting off of the system it's not ideal yeah i think i had to think go ahead please oh i think about that a lot um i am very interested in like the legal system in the supreme court so i've read a fair amount about ruth bader ginsburg and early on in her career the cases she was working with the aclu and taking to the supreme court were about uh sexism in the law um, but most of them were focusing on a male person who was, uh, like, cause the way the law was written, they were not getting the benefits they need needed or deserved because the law was sexist. It was like, oh, if you're uh, a widow, then you get this. But if you're a widower, you don't get anything because there is the idea that men can take care of themselves. They are the providers. And I just think of how much power there was and her taking those cases up to the Supreme court and kind of unlocking our cultural idea of sexism as no, this hurts men. Also, it is to like, it's not to your benefit to keep upholding this. Yeah. That's an important point about sexism or racism is that, um, yeah, it, it hurts even the perpetrator, you know, you never think about that. There's this idea that they just, they just do with power and they get away with things. And yes, but there's, there's a cost to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and with anything, if you're looking for the most talent, the best ideas, the brightest minds in any field, whether it be like science or arts, whatever, if you really want the best, you have to cast the widest net. That's just a fact. <laughs> So when you're not doing that, it's to everybody's detriment, especially disenfranchised people. Yeah. I've, I've been fascinated by this area, Lexington, because it's not, you know, not the most diverse, but mm -hmm. people perhaps not from the North don't understand how segregated the North can be. Mm -hmm. So Chicago is very segregated. And this is just, you know, this is just racist zoning. Yeah, it's just, it's just like fabric of America. The South Side is is you know African American, and the white the North Side is white. So, you grew up in this suburb, 
where that you don't see any black faces you, and it's like i've come down here and i've i've worked with people of all backgrounds it's like just and i don't know if the kentucky's the south south but it certainly is it's just like there's a little bit more diversity in the day-to-day on the ground life that mm-hmm. i've noticed depending on what circles you run in Sure. There, there is a way to like navigate around this city, and you never come into contact with anyone who doesn't look like you. Certainly, but yeah, it is kind of like um, I guess. So when I first moved here, and I hate to keep dwelling on setting, I don't know if that's what the whole point of this podcast is to dwell on Lexington. (laughs) (laughs) It's just it's always been on my mind. I think setting is important. It's something I was obsessed with as a kid. I wanted to learn about suburbia. Why was suburbia? even a thing and how did it happen and Mm -hmm. you know what happened but um like the kind of upper middle class here is very tony like very uh. (laughs) and (laughs) where i came from everyone kind of looked the same and had the same cars no one had like a mercedes-benz suv Mm -hmm. it wasn't like appropriate it just felt like a like embarrassing like you don't drive something that nice you just drive a car yeah so down here, there's that, that flaunting of that is a little more pronounced. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Or is that track with you? Or is that no? Um, I don't know. I feel like I don't, this being where I was raised, I feel like I don't have that same frame of reference. Also, I famously can't tell one car apart from another. <laughs> well, um, that's true. Yeah, I bought a, <laughs> I bought a RAV4 and... I thought this is a neat car, like a Rav Four. I've never had a, a car like this. Everyone has Rav Fours. <laughs> they are everywhere. It's like Ted Bundy in Colorado with his little VW Beetle. <laughs> Everyone's got one. Yeah. Oh. I can so. I can see if a car has a color. Um, generally, the more expensive, like sporty cars, I just think are uglier. And mm-hmm. then someone I'm with will go like, "Oh, that's a nice car," and I go, "Is it?" <laughs> and I have to be talked into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not really a car person myself. I don't, I don't really care. To me, a car is like a toaster. It's just, you just, yeah. It's like a utility. It's this a just tool. gets, yeah. And that's it. And I don't, people who are excited about cars and like, I'm like, well, what do you think? I think you're cooler because I don't. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's not information or like a status symbol I value. So yeah. I can't, it can't be swayed by it. <laughs> and I think even age has made that not like you would think, Oh, you get older. And it's like, like Kurt Cobain got a, a Volkswagen or, or a Volvo and he felt guilty. So he returned it because it was mm-hmm. too nice. It's like even a nice, really nice car wouldn't really do it for me. I'd rather just walk somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I miss I walking. Could. I love how close everything is in New York and that it's a city for walking. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's nice. What was your favorite place to walk around New York? Um, I don't know. Walking was my, was my main mode of transport until I moved uh, to Brooklyn. And then I was taking the train more to get to school and work and all that. I don't know. Just was that scary different. at first? Not really. Um, just kind of more of a hassle. <laughs> Knowing I'd have to a lot an extra hour to get. You miss a train, it's like, oh my god, I'm I'm totally thrown off here. (laughs) Um, I miss the 
options the train gives. It's like, oh, you want to get anywhere? Here, come here, come here. And then I just hop yeah. on. Not that yeah. I was taking the train uh, for the past few months. Because <laughs> it's like the gnarliest place in the world. <laughs> Is it right now? I don't know. I know right now they're like, guys, we're going to start cleaning the trains. And we all said, you're going to start cleaning the trains? What do you, you haven't been cleaning the trains? And they're like, we haven't been cleaning the trains. <laughs> but just the people and the things I've seen on the trains. I, I People have thrown up on trains near me. They've been smoking indoors. They've gotten in fights. It's just, it's not the place you want to be in a pandemic on a train yeah. with strangers. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, in you speak about like this area being green and fresh smelling. It's like, it is true. Like when you're walking down the city street and you smell the like stuff coming out of the vents. Mm-hmm. I just remember that, that smell sticks with me to this day in Chicago. <laughs> my first year of college, I went to Columbia college in the city and I would just walk down like treeless streets and just stuff billowing out of vents and you didn't know what it was. And it just was like this funky, I don't want to describe it. It's not sulfurous, but it's just like, <laughs> grimy sweaty ugh. yeah and then when yeah. it's trash day on the street not they just throw the trash on the curb and you're like what this is how we do it here and they're like this is how we do it we just throw our trash outside you go okay yeah yes <laughs> you have to see my favorite new york movie of all time mm-hmm. is the warriors never heard of it i believe in 1979 um it's about like street gains in new york city in the late 70s and I think the original novel was about like Greek mythology. It was adapted to New York, but this gang called the Warriors has to get back to Coney Island uh-huh. from. I think there's a meeting in Central Park. I could be wrong. It, I don't think it's Central Park, but it's a meeting in a park. They're going to hold a truce and they're going to take over the city. All these huh. different factions of gangs, and all the gangs are kind of funny. There's like the Vietnamese gangs with the weird hats, and there's like the mimes, and there's the baseball game. Like they all have silly outfits, like cartoon characters. Uh-huh. But the, the it's gritty. It's got that gritty New York look, and so they have to they have to get their way back to Coney Island, and it's just wonderful. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's really fun, and if you can watch it with your male friends, your female friends, like it kind of has like a universal appeal, I think. But love it, yeah. It's cool. Do you have a favorite New York movie? I can't reference Woody Allen anymore because he's like you know real creep. So yeah, I. I've never seen a Woody Allen movie, and now knowing all that I know, I don't really have a desire to. <laughs> like, yeah, it's there like... are enough talented artists out there who aren't married yeah. to their stepdaughter, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's well, the Michael Jackson thing? It's like, you know, mm-hmm. Thriller is so powerful. Yeah. It's just, and I know uh, my friend's a wedding DJ in Oakland. He's like, I've tried to cancel Thriller. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. It's too, it's too big. Yeah. And then you try to reason, you're like, well, that all happened before, and maybe that's okay. And, you know, yeah, all artists are kind of... It's easier to write something off when you're not a fan of it. Like, I can easily write off Woody Allen, because I am not familiar with his work, never been a fan. Yeah. Um, but even with Michael Jackson, like, his very talented musician. So then, knowing what we know now, it's hard to... <laughs> look back and yeah. yeah well there's a moment on girl talks record where r kelly i'm a flirt pops up yeah and yeah. you're like oh god maybe i don't know i don't know about this <laughs> i was thinking about that as it 
as I listened through because I noticed that R. Kelly moment and uh, I think Michael Jackson pops up like two or three times in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> before I knew anything of R. Kelly, I knew I Believe I Can Fly and I knew Trapped in the Closet and I thought Trapped in the Closet is the, I think, I still think it's the funniest, most just bonkers bananas thing I've ever seen and I'm like a little bit obsessed with it just because it's yeah. wild and the fact that it yeah. keeps going <laughs> it's no ton no ton in cheek there straight up sincere yeah you know i love when people earnestly make something that's just off the walls you're like you really meant this you thought you were changing the game i <laughs> i don't the, know what took, to think you took the leap and yeah you took the leap and it was like the wildy coyote you just there's nothing, there's nothing you just there. drop so you love the room then right Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that, that is the king, the almighty top of the mountain for taking a chance, following a dream, and just <laughs> missing complete really bad. creative control at every chance, at every opportunity, and just making a mess of it. So it happens when a vampire makes a movie, though. I mean, that's, yeah. that's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. I, I've seen it two or three times. Read the book, The Disaster Artist. Saw the movie, The Disaster Artist. <laughs> that that's one bonk. That, I can still enjoy that. Like Tommy Wiseau seems like a mean man and like a nightmare on set and during that process. But I don't. It didn't necessarily seem criminal from from what I know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't hurt anyone. I mean, yeah. art is difficult and people are difficult and. It's not easy to make something, and and he 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 went out there. He did it. Yeah. A lot of people. He made a lot of people happy, didn't he? He did. <laughs> so. <laughs> now, did they have that in New York? Like, could, I, I know it plays in L.A., but did they play that in New York in theaters? I'm sure there is. Yeah. I think I looked for it once I like actually watched it for the first time. I haven't been yet. I would love to go. <laughs> it would be amazing. Yeah. My I mean, favorite. No, continue. No, please. Because I'm just going to say a lot of things <laughs> that we enjoyed in the past are just dead now. Like, like ball pits are dead. Mm-hmm. They're gone. Uh, no, no, kids, no more ball pits. You cannot, they'll be, your grandkids would be like, what? A ball pit? What was that? And you'll be like, well, you see, they had all these plastic balls. And you fell back into them and you laid there. And that was it. You just sunk and you never got out again. And that's what yeah. we did. <laughs> yeah. And they won't even believe that existed. They'll be like, that isn't crazy. Yeah. Uh, but you were saying. Yeah. Um, my other favorite, just horrible, unequivocally bad thing is this 1964 movie, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Are you familiar with it? I think that was that featured on Mystery Science Theater. Oh, definitely. Okay, then I, I didn't I didn't see that one, but I've heard of it. Uh, my dad and I accidentally bought it. Um, I think from a accidentally Walmart. bought it. How'd you accidentally <laughs> buy that? Well, uh, I believe we were at Walmart. It was like the one dollar bin of unorganized DVDs, and we're like, let's uh -huh. go. Yeah. Um, and there's, I think, three DVDs in there. With just so much public domain Christmas content. And it's all, it's all bad. But the peak, the pinnacle, the selling point of this collection was the feature film, 
Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> so it's it's become our yearly tradition. Why would he do that? <laughs> why why would we buy it? No, why would he conquer the Martians? What what would be the He, he doesn't even conquer do. the Martians is the thing. The title very misleading. There's <sighs> one fight scene and it's between two Martians. And it oh golly, it's a it's a bad fight scene. It's oof. Basically, the the kids on Mars, Germar and Bomar, for girl and boy Martian. Um, Germar and Bomar are sad. Kimar, king of the Martians, is like, why are all the kids on Mars sad? They go to Chotim, the ancient one, who's basically like a, a pre-Yoda. Mm-hmm. And he says they're sad because they, they've been watching the Earth program. So they know Santa exists and Christmas exists and they don't have it for themselves. So then the Martians kidnap Santa hold him hostage um and then eventually they let him go do they beat the hell out of him or do they just no no they do not it's not a tarantino style (laughs) no it is not (laughs) cut his ear off no no the one the most violent it gets is the fight scene between kimar and voldar you can tell he's the bad martian because his name starts with a b and he has a big silly mustache um, they're fighting because Kimar's kind of becoming pro Santa, and Voldar thinks the whole thing's stupid, <laughs> which is bold from a man named Voldar with that mustache. Um, so they're fighting, one of them strangling the other, and then just lets go and goes like ah, and kind of falls away for no clear reason. There was no contact made. It's confusing. Um, and then one of them bends over and gets a karate chop to the back. My f- <laughs> yeah, I, I just it's just so weird to me that like when when <laughs> these these movie makers make movies about like people from mars would not care about they would have no context for santa claus they've they been would, watching they the earth know. programs though the earth programs they're okay. somehow they can watch earth tv <laughs> and they care a lot about it <laughs> <laughs> well that makes sense yeah yeah and it's also interspersed with all this stock footage of the military for some reason yeah Budget. That's budget reasons right there. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we need 20 more minutes on this film. <laughs> get in there. Get in the vault and find something. Just fill up. we got to get this thing to be 120 minutes. Let's go. So and I will definitely do. watch that. Okay. Yeah. It's on YouTube. Like, no one cares that it's out there. All you have to do is go on YouTube. Whole thing's there. <laughs> yeah. I will definitely watch that. Um, that sounds wonderful. I love bad movies. People, They don't make bad movies anymore. Even bad movies. Not like are still, that one. Not like those. <laughs> they're they're still pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. So, man. Yeah, remember okay. going to the movies? That was wow. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm looking at my notes. I'm looking. We haven't yes, talked yes. about girl talk at all, and I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, you know, because two thirds way through the album, it gets a little dizzy, and you're like, okay. I get, I get what you're trying to do here. My high watermark for that record is when he mashes up Little Mama with metallica's one i yeah i wrote Dude. that down <laughs> i mean that's it you can stop the album after that because that was stunning and if he did more of that where it was like let me put two things together that really don't belong together yeah and they, and sound, they so sound amazing recognizable right away yeah. yeah all i wrote down was metallica's one activates my fight or flight which it does just that like and i'm like oh, yeah i, I hate yeah. it <laughs> yeah what i love about that too is because like Metallica back in the 90s as a high school kid 
some of those fans were like the most racist, awful men. Like when you were exposed to bad guys, mm-hmm. if they wore a Metallica shirt or a Pantera shirt, you knew you were, you were going to be exposed to some really awful ideas. Uh-huh. And so to hear Little Mama mashed up with Metallica makes me very happy. Yeah. It takes Sense. the power away from it. Like it yeah. can't be this giant, serious, acclaimed, gah thing. When yeah. like my lip gloss is popping is on it, you know? <laughs> what a nice song. I actually went and watched that song on YouTube. I was like, this is really sweet and fun. Yeah. yeah it's just a song about like wax for your lips. It's popping. It's cool. You know, <laughs> it's that simple. I, I want to put some on. <laughs> yeah. I'm sold. I'm in. Yeah. Let me see what other things I wrote down. Yeah. No more girl talk. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, it'd be like you're you're a girl but you're not a girl but it'd be like girl talk because i'm in like i'm almost a middle-aged guy and you're a girl <laughs> that's kind of no it's not yeah great. with a name like girl talk this is not the album i thought i was getting into what did you um, think girl talk meant i thought girl talk was going to be a lovely little acoustic indie band <laughs> um and girls were gonna like sing with their guitar and hold hands um yeah. that's what i thought and right off the bat, <laughs> the first, he's kind of vulgar. Yeah. Yeah. The first line is my bitch, a choosing, a choosing lover, never fuck without a rubber. I was yeah. like, Oh no, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of felt like I was like, am I doing the wrong thing here? Because some of those verses naked, you know, are like, Oh, these are not good guys. Yeah. Right. Um, maybe they're kind of like a blues man, like, this could be the blues man of the 2000s, just saying dirty things in such a way and getting away with it and making lots of money. But I felt like, oh, uh, I don't know. But Girl Talk was actually a board game, I think. Huh? It was a board. Yeah. So that's my reference point is like it was a board game where girls would call up their crushes on a phone, like a toy phone. Uh-huh. And then, you know, it would like send random recordings and then that's how you played the game there was a game board that's what i remember being you might have to google that one girl talk but <laughs> yeah i guess it's just like a pop culture yeah so. um yeah i heard that first line and i was like what in the world have i gotten myself into because I, I literally <laughs> i <laughs> just went into your instagram dms complete stranger i was like hey just pick whatever you want let's do a podcast and you're like i'd like to do this album and i said perfect let's do it let's set a time <laughs> Yeah, and and, I'm listening to it. I'm like, maybe this is why we don't talk to strangers. Um. <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought like, I don't know this girl either. Like, maybe this, maybe she's super wholesome, and I don't, I don't know. And you know, how wholesome am I? I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. So, okay, it's art, and we can distance ourselves from it and talk about it. And yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like I can't say every single like lyric he pulled was my favorite thing. Like. I'm like, okay, some questionable things in there. But when they are taken just like a few lines at a time as part of a greater um, musical experience, I can find myself um, like more forgiving of it on the whole, I guess. Yeah. Because he like, what's our guy's name? Greg, Greg Gillis. Mm -hmm. He's not that's not him saying those things you could say he's like profiting off of like some of these questionable 
things, that's a point you could make. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's not part of that world at all. Yeah. And at I all. I didn't even know. Um, I don't know what point I realized into listening how much of a sample fest I was in for. Which was exciting to know nothing and then just begin for such a roller coaster. Yeah, and I, I think if Girl Talk is your favorite thing, that's probably a problem. Like, you, you should, <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting exercise in collage and like what yeah. what does pop music mean? And he goes right into the most popular, obvious samples, like not being obscure at all. Mm-hmm. And, in, and it's like a it's a joyous thing, but boy, that party gets old quick, right? Yeah. Like, it was live your live to the fullest except when it gets too much mm-hmm. it definitely felt like i was being enveloped by something much greater than myself which it was exciting it was nice to be like encompassed in that way because i i don't get that from a lot of the music i'm listening to where it's such an auditory experience and so overwhelming that i have to come to a complete halt and just <laughs> live in that for a bit <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm not like a i'm not like an up guy i don't love energetic music t- all the time so i think over an hour of that is like okay man let's let's listen to some soft folk <laughs> yeah and i definitely made me want to party and then sad i couldn't party and didn't get to see my friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and now it's 2 30 in the morning and i don't know where i am and i'm scared and uh <laughs> got to take the train home and this is not good yeah. so yeah i think one of my favorites uh favorite moments of this is it's at the beginning of shut the club down which i think is like the second song the mm-hmm. teasing of avril lavigne and i was like is he gonna give it to me is are we gonna get the avril <laughs> chorus like please i want it so much because i don't know if at that point i like really recognized or related to anything and I was like I need this right now like I've listened to eight minutes I need some Avril Lavigne and it's such an amazing payoff yeah yeah I have a friend who loves Avril Lavigne I don't know why this is a (laughs) a guy my age Uh and he's and I at the time she seemed like the corniest thing possible but Mm -hmm. um, like like I've changed my ways I want people to be successful and happy (laughs) I don't care what they do just make nice things and um you know, live your life. Yeah. Like explore your art and, and be a good person. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really not that hard. It's probably more work to be a shitty person. It's more work to do crimes. So maybe don't it's. <laughs> yeah. 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 You could just go home. You could just go home and just be at home. Have a and cup of it. tea. Like listen to your auditory collage, make a collage yourself. There, you have so many other options. <laughs> Yeah, no collage is so. Sick. Have you so? Have you tried any of this? Have you tried it? I have not. So relaxing. I can imagine. I want to get into more visual art like that. Hmm. Um, because that's not something that's just like not a part of myself. I'm in tune with artistically because I I do yeah, journal a lot. I read a ton. I'm a dancer, so I have the physical thing. I started teaching myself how to play the guitar. I sing. I have like all this other stuff going, but visual art is so intimidating to me because I want to be perfect right away. <laughs> well, isn't that true for like anything? Like I, when I wanted yeah. to write fiction, I was like in my mid twenties, I'm like, I got to do this. Like 
I don't want to be Charles Bukowski who's 64 and just getting published. I want to, I want it now. I want to be Brett Easton Ellis. I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's get it now. And I realized that that's not how it works. And, no. and now I'm okay with being successful late and not successful, but personally, like doing the thing late in life is okay. Mm-hmm. And even with like me recently taking up the guitar like I'm still young. I just turned 22. So like I have all the time in the world to learn a million things. Totally. But even that, I'm like why am I not perfect at the guitar right now? Especially cuz I have been like training intensely in dance for like all of my life that I have any memory of. So I do have reached like a very like <laughs> elite level. That's no you are Um, (laughs) you are in the thick of it for sure yeah like I've done put so many hours of training into this thing so I like am at this like really high level that when I try to do something new and don't have and I'm not at that high level it's frustrating for me um so what age did you start I started dancing when I was three so my daughter's two Uh uh-huh um, and she has, and I, I don't say this as like a, like, oh, she's got moves, but it's, <laughs> it, is, it is unusual. Like she does like to move and uh-huh. she likes music. She's musical. Whereas her brother who's six is more like Lego engineering. Mm-hmm. literal. So, and we thought about dancing. It really breaks our heart that this is happening now and we can't put her in dance. But so you were sort of like into it at three or did your mom or dad was like oh let's just try this my mom put me into it when I was three because she'd grown up dancing performing all that jazz um I tried to quit when I was eight or nine I think because I was bored um and then like the people at my dance studio were like no 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 hang on hang on um you should audition for like the competition program there's more training it's more serious and then I did that. And that's, that's what I've been doing ever since. <laughs> I just, yeah. I mean, it just must, it must be amazing to sort of like inhabit your body with like that much strength and power. And I know these are cheesy words like grace, but most people's physical lives are pretty clumsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that conversation before with, uh, where was I? Oh, I, I was at work. I was covering it like a different location. So I was just completely with strangers. And I was saying how like I feel bad for people sometimes who don't have that this same relationship with their body that I do. Not that it's all like sunshine and roses because dance does a number on your mental state and perception of yourself physically. But just yeah. the amount of options I have and ways I know to engage with my body, that's very exciting. And your average person is like, oh, I'm sitting down at work, I'm standing up, I'm walking here, I lay down at night. That is, for most people, like the extent of their physicality. And I want but more for them because it's so exciting. When you, when you walk upstairs in a building, you're like, yeah, this is, that's like a journey, a fun journey. Most people are like, oh, God, these steps. I mean, I also hate stairs. I don't know if that's the best example. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I see. I would enjoy them if I were in your position. I'd be just gliding I, up the I steps. I love bounding up them two, three at a time. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. That is cool. 
But yeah, you should um, you should try collage. You should so guitar the guitar. You are strumming. Are you learning songs? Yeah, learning songs. I'm mainly just what is it? There's there's rhythm guitar and lead guitar. I'm mainly rhythm is mainly chords, as for my understanding of it. Yeah. So yeah. um, <laughs> like I'm rhythm is chords. John Lennon and lead is George Harrison. That I makes sense? wish I could tell you that elucidated more for me, and it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> someone um, will catch it out there. Yeah. That's for someone. It's not for me, but I'm glad it exists. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not in a position to do any any guitar solo. I, I've started learning, like, some individual notes and scales. But yeah, I mainly just do it and learn songs that I like so I can sing along and accompany myself. That's very fun. <laughs> What's your favorite song to play? Um, some of my favorites, it's got, I think probably Crowded House. I've learned to play like a lot of their Ooh. stuff. They're one of, they're one of my faves. Yeah. New Zealand's own. Yeah. I, uh, I love Crowded House. I just grew up listening to it constantly in my dad's car and I love it. I love them. Like the first album? <laughs> the first album? Definitely first album. Yeah. That was probably the most played one. But even... Um, I'm blanking on the other names. Wood, Woodface? Is that one of them? Gosh, Something you got like me. That. I mean, I, I know... Okay. <laughs> I know, like, the first record and all that. That was a huge record. But yeah. beyond that, I don't remember a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Neil Finn. Is it Neil Finn? Yeah. Is it, isn't he? Tim Finn? Neil Finn? Yeah. His voice is just awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. And I saw he recently uh, joined whatever iteration of Fleetwood Mac this is. And I was like, good for Neil. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. My I mother think he, like, loves Fleetwood Mac. Uh, guitar. And he guitars too. <laughs> he must be, he must be, he, so he's Lindsey Buckingham. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love, so, okay. Something about that. And I don't think Crowded House is early 80s, but really he did stuff before Crowded House. Because mm-hmm. that's like 88, 89, maybe. I think that's when Don't Dream It's Over was like, wow. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Great video. Great video, too. But like that early 80s, mid 80s, new wave, post punk, whatever you want to call it, is just the best. Yeah. And there's like so the much key- going on, like musically, rhythmically. I love when. As much as I love my like simple saccharine pop song, I love when music feels it feels like they put time into it when it feels composed and not just constructed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the punks from the seventies decided we're gonna do this for real. Yeah, I'm gonna so, really put some effort into it. <laughs> I'm gonna put my all This is our life. We're gonna make a real life out of this. This isn't just like playing some club, like so yeah, and I love like the Cure and Susie and the Banshees, all that early like Joy Division and New Order, all that stuff is just that's where I go. I don't know why I go there, but I go there a lot. Mm-hmm. Have you ever danced to uh, Age of Consent by New Order? No. Okay, well that's your next your homework. Okay. <laughs> Cue Age of Consent like by New Order and just I dance. I know to that it. song. If I'd heard it, I would know it. But off the top of my head, I'm not sure you would know it if you heard it probably okay because everything sounds like that now i mean they (laughs) what they they did with one song everyone just sort of copied Mm -hmm. 
um, and especially in New York, like that whole LCD sound system, New York chug with the dance chug, that's kind of age of age of consent right there. Mm -hmm. So it's lovely. <laughs> what else? Yeah. What else? Be your recommendation. Um. I mean, definitely Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. That's my yeah, go-to for, for sure. I need. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to stay up all night watching that after this. <laughs> Regardless of work, I will, you know, waltz in. <laughs> it has some low points. It drags. Um, it is a low point. It's not. <laughs> right? That's true. I, I'm a little forgiving to, to pretend it has high points. Talking about it like it's Star Wars. So yeah, there's some moments where it's like, eh. no, it is a low point. It is a low point. There's, yeah. yeah. But that's the important stuff. The low points, you know, I, I use the hashtag lowbrow art because it it sweeps in. I don't know if it does this, but it, 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 it says it's okay to like stuff that isn't, that is kind of shitty looking. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I think one thing to like extra pique your interest in this movie, there is a person in a polar bear suit. They go That's to the North a, Pole. There's a person. <laughs> um, they crawl around on their hands and knees and pretend they're a bear. And you're like, I can see like the flap where the head comes on and off. Does he like do his paw like, uh-huh. Oh yeah, of course he does, right? Of course he does. <laughs> you know what I hate in movies? I hate so much. I hate this. Huh? I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. When actors are carrying a coffee cup that's empty. I hate when people carry stuff that's empty. I fucking can't stand that. Put some water in it. Yeah, give it some weight. I can tell. And just, yeah, because you're, you're flailing your arms around. That yeah. coffee would be anywhere. Yeah. I see that in like when they pick stuff up and you're like, that's empty. That box doesn't have shit in it. Like, I can tell. <laughs> Unbelievable. And the actors are thinking, they're not going to look at this because I'm saying lines and it's there's more important. No, I am actually focused on that now. <laughs> it will consume me for a bit. I'll be upset. <laughs> Come on. Let me think. Another thing to recommend. Are we going music or just something? You know, food, music, um, socks, whatever you want. Ooh. Food, music, socks. I've been no, making a lot work. of smoothies recently. That's not exciting. Forget I said it. Um, Unless you put like cauliflower and toenails and weird, like you're you're going. Oh no, I'm making places with it. The blandest smoothies in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'll go musical artist. One of my okay. favorite musicians uh, is Sydney Gish. She has like Never two heard. albums out. She's around my age, which I think is cool. And exciting that uh, with there being like so much streaming and internet and ways to get your work out there that more young people and I don't know if she is unsigned or what her deal is, but kind of a barrier is lifted up. Um, yeah, I think her work is very cool. And when you <laughs> when you listen to this, know that that is what I thought Girl Talk would be. And it's Sydney not Gish. Sydney Gish. Yeah. It's S-I-D-N-E-Y-G-I-S-H. Now I feel bad about recommending Girl Talk. <laughs> I and did I really know. like it, though. I want to make that clear. I did have a nice time. I, I went on a journey, and I, I learned that this existed, which was exciting. 
no trauma. It was rehashed. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no, 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 no. And I Gosh, sent I it to thought. one of my like music friends. Um, and I was like, have you heard of this? And he was like, no, I haven't heard of this at all. And he listened to the whole thing and he's like, I've decided that Greg Gillis is a genius. And I was like, okay, okay. All right, let's calm down. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Or at least like a really hard worker. Like, oh, definitely. Let, let me find all the samples and put it all together for you so you don't have to do all the work. You got to appreciate craftsmanship sometimes. Absolutely. And the mind to like have such a vast musical knowledge and to be able to be like, oh, I know what would sound good here. Like the baseline from this song from this decade. That's, yeah, for three seconds. Yeah. That's it. It's, I can't imagine how much time this took him to compile and how much he knows about this that I will never get, you know? Cause I'm on yeah. the, like girl talk feed the animals wiki that has every single sample broken down with a second mark so you can like listen back and be like oh that's what that drum was for 10 seconds yeah but no matter how many times i listen i'm not i'm not hearing everything so it, it does have that re-listenability to it which is exciting like you can but keep it, but it does something new i guess the drawback is like oh i gotta look at this list now i'm like it's like a weird... It's a weird homework assignment. <laughs> it's like a lab, laborious, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. whatever the word is. Yeah, it's too much work. Um, so can I recommend something to you? Sure. Okay, so um, a writer uh -huh. who I absolutely love. Her name is Amelia, like you'd spell Amelia. Okay. And it's gray, like the color, not not E-Y, A-Y. Mm -hmm. She's a writer who wrote a couple short story collections, uh, her... Her latest is called Gutshot. It's amazing. Um, she writes kind of like these dark, um, strange, fable, ex existential. And they'll be like a page and a half long, or they'll be three pages. And you just reread the, the same thing. You're like, what did I just read? But uh -huh. she wrote a book. Uh, her first novel, or second novel, was called Isadora. Uh -huh. Maybe you know this person. Is It's written about Isadora Duncan. A oh, dancer. I know Isadora Duncan. <laughs> so maybe you don't need to read this book, but... I picked up the novel because I love Amelia Gray. And I was like, I don't know about this novel. I'm not in a dance and maybe this is over my head. And it was very dense compared to her kind of like brief short stories. But I'm starting to read it again. And mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. Like the, the, the prologue was sort of how about Isadora wanted to dance naturally rather than the strict, you know, way. Yeah. Just hinted at that. I don't know if we'll get into that later into the novel, but. Um, I love Amelia Gray and I think she's awesome and I want to read a book about dance now so I'm yeah. gonna do it cool I so what do you know about what do you know about Isra Duncan what do I know um one what of don't the I know? <laughs> one of the founders of modern dance one of the first people to be like in the west in America to be like you know what I don't want to stand super tall and stiff and upright using all my turnout, um, like going against ballet and the constraints that that has. What's turnout? Tell me what turnout is. Um, so normally when you stand, your feet are facing forward, toes like in front of you, the direction you're going. Yeah. Turnout is rotating that leg. So your heel is still under you, but your toe is facing like out to your shoulders, out to your right and left. Oh, okay. And basically everything in ballet is in turnout centers around turnout it's one of the founding principles 
and it's hard. <laughs> it opens some stuff up. Like if you're doing a Batma, which is basically a kick, mm-hmm. uh, you have more mobility to your side, to the side and to the back, just by the nature of the way the hip sockets formed. So it opens some things up, but maintaining that musk, <laughs> maintaining that takes so much musculature and thought. It's hard. Um, so it's wow. in, in its way of trying to free stuff up, some of your mobility, it is consuming a lot of your stamina and energy to maintain that. That is super heavy. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, I could talk about that. That sounds like forever. something you wrestle with very much. Huh? That oh. sounds like something you wrestle with very much as a dancer. Yeah, yeah. I'm always thinking about, like, the theory around movement and what kind of movement I'm interested in. Because I also, I also choreograph. So what kind of stuff I'm interested in making. I'm, I'm big into, like, postmodernism performance art right now. To where okay. people, I want people to look at it and go, is that art? Like, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what so did that's I Adora Duncan. Yeah. Um, she was like, you know what? I want to feel the earth. I want to feel the floor. So she was like, I'm going outside. I'm being barefoot. I'm going to wear this like flowing stuff, a lot of scarves. Um, and I'm going <laughs> to like bounce around and feel nature. <laughs> I think it was her who talked about like the using the energy of the ground and the earth beneath you, taking that up through your feet, up your entire body, letting it fill you to the point where you have to like jump and throw your arms and flail and all that kind of stuff. So was she aware of Eastern philosophy and and Buddhism or no? I don't know. Yoga. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know she, she's an American dancer had like good success in Europe and like toured around there. And let me see. Yeah, she was born 1877, died 1927. So I'm I'm not sure what she her... missed it all. She missed it all. She missed it all. What could she have even known? You know? <laughs> she saw the end of she end of slavery, but she missed Hollywood. Kinda. Yeah. Man. Also notoriously a racist woman. Not good on that end, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, who at the end of the day, who isn't racist? We're all, yeah. I mean, when you're raised in a racist system, it's gonna be in you, it's, it's whether you want to reckon with that or not. You have to, you have to first off accept that this is what you are and where you're from, and yeah, you, that's the first step, that's the baby step. Mm-hmm. I don't think she had any interest in doing that. Um, <laughs> she took she, she took that racism all the way through her feet, up through her, <laughs> and just threw through. it out. <laughs> yeah, with scarves f- just flying. Spread it as far scarves as you could. <laughs> beautiful, what a beautiful display. Yeah, do you want to oh. hear about her death? It's kind of silly. She got her scarf caught inside mm-hmm. a mill. Like one of those big Swedish mills, and she got swung around, and they, she flew like 50 feet. Broke she her neck. was in a car, and her scarf 
flailing out the window, got caught in the wheel, <laughs> and that's how she died. Have you seen like traffic novel, footage? But have I seen? Have you seen traffic footage from like the 1910s and 20s? No. I mean, dude, it's like it's total chaos. There's like <laughs> elephants walking around, cars driving. I mean, it's just no. There's no traffic signals. Everything's insane. So that makes sense. How do you want to go? Um, I love That's the drama of that. That's pretty fun. My other favorite, like, dance death is this old-timey ballerina. I forget who it was. Um, but, like, probably 19th century. Yeah, because they didn't have electricity. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the footlights, um, they're at the very front of the stage facing the dancers yeah. to, like, brighten them up. Yeah. Um, so in that time, they were flames. And this... <laughs> like famous ballerina was like i am not putting the flame retardant stuff on my tutu it weighs it down and it looks bad next thing you know she's on fire and that's how she died <laughs> and would you dance through it or would you just you know do the panic thing oh dancers are conditioned to dance through anything i i sprained my ankle in the middle of a dance and I kept going the whole time. Um, yeah, we always keep going. <laughs> That's really remarkable and ad ad admirable, but. Yeah, but also questionable. <laughs> like, do we need to dance through the injury in a dress rehearsal? Yeah. Is that yeah. important? You're, still, you're quite young. You got a lot of time ahead of you. Don't, don't ruin your legs for. The next 30 years yeah. have you thought about that like i know i'm asking you a lot of questions <laughs> because i think dance is more interesting than paper collage personally but like do you think like okay at some point i'm going to check out from the physical you know oh yeah that this, um, that is the thing well, I, I definitely want to choreograph and that's something that can a way to be involved in dance and continue on without it taking such a toll on me um I also love teaching dance, another way to like stay involved. But I also, I have many other interests and other things I think I could pursue and still be satisfied and feel like a whole person. Like I'm very right. interested in writing. So I could see pursuing that. I could see myself going to law school and doing that. I could like curl up in a library and be like, please hire me, you know, <laughs> got options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and i and i as young as you are you're nowhere near that point where you have to accept that the world doesn't need you and mm -hmm. that's god that sounds so ghastly but it's true <laughs> like you know it's okay to just do a little thing and make the difference in people's lives and and that's okay you know i've had to reckon with that a lot because i feel like I, as you as a young creative who's very talented and like smart you feel like you don't want to admit this, but you're like, God, I got something to show. Like, I've got a lot to say and I've got, and I put a lot of effort into my life and making like a high quality life of my mind. And like, I want to share this with people. I want to help people. And then you find out that like, that doesn't mean you're going to get a job. I know that, that everyone else at that audition worked just as hard as you, wanted just as much. And you're like, oh, but I thought I was special. And we I'm are. I'm the good person. But yeah everyone else does in some way too. Ugh. 
<laughs> but it's going to be okay. And it's okay if you're 39 like me and it never worked. Like you couldn't write the novel or you couldn't do the thing. And, but you, you, you help people, which is what I do in my, my life, my day job. And then little kids, no less, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then I get to go home and do a little paper collage and hang out with my family and it's fine. Yeah. I've in college at, as it goes for everyone, a lot of thinking, a lot of, a lot of ideas going on. And I've been like reckoning with my, what I consider success, my definition of success, as well as my definition of dance and art. And yeah, when like my body hurts constantly all the time and I am like beyond dancing age, dance doesn't have to be doing nine pirouettes into like your triple back tuck whatever um doesn't have to be so tricky and technical there you can still make and create and like not be 20 there are still you could still have a body that you can use and engage with and it's just different that doesn't make it lesser well i'm excited to hear that you want to bright because i think that's you know that's like that doesn't age yeah. Right. So you just do that for the rest of your life and it's a wonderful life and, and people want to hear what you have to say, I'm sure. So if you ever feel any doubts about that, don't, don't doubt yourself. Keep going. No one is taking any notes on your life. No one cares. You should do it. End of rant. I don't know. <laughs> this is such a supportive time. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. <laughs> No, I I really want, uh, you know, as a kid who was self like abusive, like just mean to myself and self deprecating. It's like I wasted so much time beating myself up and not feeling worthy enough. And it's like, man, just go. Yeah. Make something beautiful, put it out there and don't be, don't do not beat yourself up. Mm hmm. Unless there's some, you know, you want to make something, hey, you got to, you got to show up and do this. You got to write a thousand words, but don't be mean to yourself because there's enough mean people, right? Yeah. There's enough mean people out there. I don't need to also do it. Like they've got it covered. (laughs) Oh, it's just, just be nice to yourself. If I've learned anything, that's it. Just be nice to yourself. Yeah. That's something that I know cognitively it's it's putting that in action you know that that's the tough part (laughs) and i'm sure it's harder for a a woman i really do yeah (laughs) what do i i don't know anything and um but i i imagine Mm -hmm. it's so much harder am i right or am i it's just a rabbit (laughs) hole we don't want to go down yeah there's i mean there are societal expectations for like every type of person, any kind of category you fit into. Um, but they're, they're especially rough on, on women. <laughs> well, you know, it's like is... e- even, even babies. Uh-huh. I've got a two-year-old and people are like, oh, aren't girls the worst? Like, everyone yeah. is like, I'm like, no, they're not. Really, they just have long hair, if that's what you choose. And then they have girl clothes, but really it's just a baby. It's not even yeah. a person. And they're all crazy. So that's just immediately that's projected upon. 
and like setting them up for failure to already at such a young age have this expectation of them (laughs) exactly and i think that is related to my newfound love and acceptance of like more poppy simple music because I think that kind of stuff is associated with like teenage girls and famously anything a teen girl likes is bad and we should make fun of her for it and make her feel bad. That's like the societal narrative, like whatever it is, she's stupid for liking it. And I've had so much like internalized and self-imposed misogyny that I'm like, you know, I can like this fun pop song that doesn't make me stupid. You know, I can like things. (laughs) They'll keep going back to it though. Like, you, back in the day, we'd say Toxic by Britney Spears. God, what a dumb song. But hell, I'll keep playing that. The art wins. Yeah. Uh, she won. Good for her. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a big picture, and, and we know who the winners are going to be. Mm-hmm. So. Man. When do we end this podcast? How does this end? Kind of whenever. I'm trying to. I'm like, you... looking through my notes to see if there's anything else. I feel like I am just so compelled to say. Um, what else? I, I guess I'll talk about the end a little bit. So we, yeah, go ahead. We've been on this. The whole thing's like 53 minutes, which is a commitment. Um, and the end is, in a big part, journeys faithfully, which I think is a complete power move. Um, he's like yeah. one of the biggest bands in the world taking it that's me now I get to use that one of the, and like, okay. one of the greatest singers of all time right yeah and I just I think it's a super effective way of closing out this like journey and roller coaster that you've just been on because it like takes it down because there are it's very like fast and intense and makes you want to party and bop around and i think by using that song he kind of is like letting you down gently having a little cool down moment so you can (laughs) return to your normal life and the very ending notes uh it ends kind of unresolved and open and i'm not positive how like the actual song ends and it might be the exact same but i the it's just a few notes and it doesn't have a final like bum (laughs) i like that it is open and not a closed book and i think that kind of goes along with it feeling not quite like a final product like a definitive work and i think that's exciting in art in general to not be so committed to having a final product to be interested in the process and the creation and the bones of it which you can really see in this which I think is why I'm so interested in it as an artistic creation like the seams are so much there yeah the seams are everything yeah like that you is you what makes that. it yeah like there's no hiding any of this and and that that so end on journey is like is to end on like kind of a tender vulnerable moment mm-hmm not like if you're if you're loaded or high or like partying and you're sober whatever like that's not where it ends like you're still going but yeah i mean that that's a beautiful way to end the the thing because it is 
and and like maybe in 2008 and 2009 that was the beginning of like oh vulnerability is okay yeah you know we can party and also be deep mm-hmm. that's okay you can do, do th- two things at once whereas before and girl talk knows this because he's my age you couldn't like metallica and little mama you couldn't be vulnerable and tough you, you couldn't be two things at once you had to be one or the other mm-hmm. and what a wonderful world we live in that we can be vulnerable and strong or whatever you know yeah and i think he expresses that throughout with the variety of um songs he's pulling from the how it goes into many different genres and decades and like levels of popularity it isn't a super elitist taste where he's like it's he's going all the indie like snooty highfalutin high art people he's like no let's like get into the top 40 let's get into like liking feminine stuff being vulnerable all that and it can all coexist and mishmash and go in and out of each other yeah so so here in this quarantine you're out of work you're in kentucky how are you vulnerable hmm I don't know. I think by coming to terms with the uncertainty of everything, like this was supposed to be the time in my life. I mean, it's been a big time of transition. It wasn't supposed to be this transition though. (laughs) That's insane for you. Yeah. Like I was supposed to come out of college, go to a bunch of auditions, get a job, really start that life and engaging with dance in a new way and hopefully get paid for it um and i don't know when that's gonna happen again when that's even gonna be a possibility so i think being open to that and still realizing um that i am an artist and that i am a dancer and even if i'm not like in the studio eight hours a day i still am all those things so there's no fear of losing it, that it, capital I, it. Oh, the fear is there. I'm. <laughs> yeah. The fear is definitely there. But. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I, there's a there's an impulse for me to say everything's going to be okay. Um, I just don't know. Uh, yeah. Don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> But you should still dance in your bedroom all alone to Age of Consent by New Order. <laughs> I can. I can. As much I'll always as have that. <laughs> and everyone who listens to this podcast, I know who you are. I know how old you are. You should all listen to Age of Consent by New Order and dance alone in your bedroom and be vulnerable and love yourself because that's at the end of the day, the clock is a lie and that's all that matters. Just love yourself. I think this is where we pivot to the end. This feels... I think we've gotten there. Love yourself. Love yourself. Um, so like the two things I do at the end of every episode are um, each of us can, if you have any like self promo, if you want people to follow you on the gram, okay. shout it out. If you don't want them, keep it to yourself. I don't care. Um, and then if you have, we've recommended a lot of stuff in this episode, but if there's anything else you think is really cool and not enough people know about, feel free to give a shout out to that. Yeah. So uh, Instagram, it's going to be at, this is a mouthful. I don't know why I chose this handle, but 
uh, life span tomb. Okay. So it's L I F E S P A N T O M B. It was a play on the poetic form, the pantoum poem, mm-hmm. in which you take four lines and you interweave them. It's like an A, B, C, D, then it goes B, F, D, G, like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And it's a, it's a wonderfully fun poetic form. But um, so the whole idea was like, I was working with that and like playing with that. And it was like, oh, this is kind of like collage. I'll just yeah. use this word. And it's a weird, it's a weird like lifespan tomb, like lifespan and then tomb. And it's kind of dark, weird, but whatever. So that's my Instagram. Don't do Facebook. I deleted Facebook years ago. And wrote an essay about it and i don't i'm not looking back (laughs) um so please find me on instagram follow me say hello to me you don't need to buy anything we just need to look at each other's cool stuff and we need to love each other and make cool stuff and uh hopefully when life returns to normal there'll be some more shows in lexington and, and things to to present it'll come back lexington's wonderful in that way Mm -hmm. And that's that's all I have, and yeah, cool. cool. What's cool stuff? Cool stuff out there. What is great? Um, you know, I, I think a lot about like in general the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. and uh, we live in Kentucky, and Breonna Taylor, and everything that's going on. You know, really, I think we all need to educate ourselves on not only giving money and giving giving, but like. Let's do the long-term work. Let's oh, absolutely. think about our identity and think about interrupting racism, interrupting sexism. And it's hard. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but um, if that's the most uncomfortable thing you have to do, you know, do it, man. Yeah. Coworkers, family members, friends, neighbors, let's interrupt it. And I just, that's where I'm at now. And I'm thinking long-term. I'm not talking like, this is some social media gimmick. Let's spend the rest of our lives doing that. Yeah. Definitely. When I first saw your Instagram handle, and up until this past week, I've been reading it as Life's Pantom B. Like, Phantom as in you spelled Phantom wrong. Um, and I was like, huh, okay, life's Phantom B. And then, yeah, it was only a few days ago. I was like, that's not what it is, girl. Missed opportunity, though. Could have been life's Phantom. Ugh. It's not too late. It's never know. too late. <laughs> God. Read it however you want. <laughs> there is a certain... Je ne sais quoi to life's pantom B. It makes me ask more questions. <laughs> well, my last name starts with a B, so, you know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> cool. I can deal with that. Stuck with it. I'm too uncreative and to think of something else, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I got, like, my handle for everything, Anna McSnail, um, because my, la- my last name is McGarry, and someone I went to high school with was like, you know what, Anna, the only way I can ever remember your last name is to think of Gary the Snail from SpongeBob. So when I think about you, yeah. I say Anna McSnail, and then I remember it's Anna McGarry. And that's that's what I stuck to. 
Gary is such a funny name because it's like it really is, and I'm telling you, it's a plumber from the Chicago suburbs. <laughs> like, yeah. and you don't see any Garys anymore. That's very rare. Mm-hmm. Now they they couched Gary and McGarry, so it's kind of hidden in there. But that mustache, the they thought that you were paying broom, attention. <laughs> it's a broom mustached kind of pot bellied guy with his butt sticking out, looking at your pipes. That's Gary. <laughs> I know him well. I might turn into him. We can only hope. <laughs> it would be it would be okay. As long as I love myself. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, oh, and one thing I want to recommend is my friend Natasha's YouTube channel. She makes these really great YouTube videos with her friend Chloe. I think it's just like Natasha and Chloe. And I just watched an exciting one. I think it's caramel apples is what it's called. And it's her and her friend basically having an ongoing fight scene for for so long. They're changing location. Neither of them can die. They're getting stabbed and going like, huh? Mm-hmm. Like as soon as one's down, they pop back up. It's so fun. Um, and I think today, as we're recording this, they just came out with another one where they're uh, embodying Lewis and Clark and they're going to d- discover in quotes America and they're just so funny. And I, it's like I said earlier, it's exciting to see young people and my peers have like the kind of platform we do to create and put ourselves out there. Uh, it's easy to get lost in the midst because there is so much stuff, but still getting to make and put that out there is fun. So that's great. And yeah. I, I just love I love that your generation is like, I don't know, man, a lot of the stuff that we struggle with, you, it's normal to you guys. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's just, that's great. Like so there are days when I feel like, Oh God, I'm, I'm not up to snuff and I, I'm not, you know, they're going to cancel me, but like, yeah, I think it's just the progress and the pride and the, the energy is just so cool. Like you guys are going to, I'm not going to save the world, but man, <laughs> I'm proud of you all. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, I guess it's over. So what we learned, uh, love yourself. Maybe listen to Girl Talk if you're ready for a trip. <laughs> yeah, not right now. It's 11. It's after 11. Don't listen to Girl Talk right now. I did listen to the full thing, maybe at 3 a.m. Um, and I, I wasn't planning to listen to it all, but. You're 22. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay. I know it, and the fact that it is continuous through every single track, they just flow together. There's no stopping point, really. Nah. And I was so confused. I had so many questions. I just I listened to it all the way through. <laughs> yeah. So if you're over 35, maybe listen to it between four and six p.m. So you can wind down, get still get to bed that night. <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll get your rest, and <laughs> you won't roll your ankle trying to walk to the bathroom, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. You are a bright, creative source of light and you will, you will, I don't have the words for it. You will do what I'm you do, do and something. it will be great. <laughs> you, you will do it will be great. And don't worry about this pandemic. Um, fucking asshole will be hopefully voted out in November. 
nice note to end on. But um, <laughs> this it's it's going to be okay. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> that was a very bad place to end it. To go there to say that because I know some of our listeners are sympathetic. Mega people. I think you overestimate how many people listen to this. <laughs> I think everyone that listens knows me personally and is on the same page. I'd hope. Well, I, I hope that they the come. They, they should follow me on Instagram because I want to be their friends and I want them yeah. to share their stuff with me and I want to see what they, they're making. It's not about me having followers. I want to see what you're doing. So please follow me so I can see what you're doing. So we can all be like art friends and be excited about creating. <laughs> I feel like that that groundhog in Winnie the Pooh looking around like, ah, oh, <laughs> where is everything? Let me know. So I'm going to let you end this, Anna, because I'm not good at ending things. Here's, I mean, I think we've said all that needs to be said. Yes. Let's just, let's just say bye and call it a day. Okay, bye. Right. <laughs> bye. <laughs>